Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, y'all grab your Bibles. Turn with me to uh, the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel. We're going to be in uh, several different places this morning. Uh, Daniel will be kind of our foundation So we're going to pray. We'll, we'll get to our scripture here, some, some uh, scriptures here in just a minute. But I just want to pray over the word as we get started today. Father, I thank you for, uh, I thank you for this place. I thank you for these people. I thank you for our time of worship. Thank you for your presence. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that, uh, that you anoint our time together. That we would, that I would surrender my mouth to you, my mind to you, and that, Lord, every person who hears today would receive, and they would also surrender their hearts and their minds and their ears to you for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we've been in a series called Patriarchs, Prophets. And priests, where we've looked at the lives of the people from the Old Testament and found some of the lessons that their lives can teach us. Now, today, this is the second part of a message we started last week on Daniel. Uh, now, Daniel was too late in the history of the nation of Israel to be considered a patriarch, um, and he was not in the line of Aaron, so he couldn't. He wasn't a priest either, but he definitely fell firmly in the category of a prophet. Now, there are 12 chapters in the book of Daniel. The first six are more biographical and historical as it just uh, recounts the events of Daniel's life in the halls of power of the Babylonian, the Median, and the Persian Empire. The last six chapters of the book of Daniel are prophetic. They record the prophetic visions and dreams that God gave to Daniel. Now, some of those dreams and visions that he had, those prophecies, have already been fulfilled, but they were still hundreds of years away when Daniel received them and recorded them uh, for us. So these give us some of the clearest evidence, if you will, the clearest reasons to trust that the Bible is authentically the divine word of God. Now, Daniel is remarkable for a whole lot of reasons, but I think when you look at Daniel's life and you just look at him from the outside looking in, maybe the, the thing that stands out the most in the life of Daniel is his character. And that's why this message uh, last week and this week is called Character Counts. Character Counts. Daniel was operating in a culture that valued politics and pandering to the powerful. Daniel didn't do that. Daniel was a man uh, of character, and he let the quality and the ethic of his work speak for him uh, and, and really just speak for itself. Uh, three aspects of Daniel's character that I want to point out. We talked about the first one last week, and that is clarity. 
Daniel operated with this clarity about who he was. He knew that he, his identity was as a servant of God. And that's what drove everything in his life. And that made all the difference for Daniel. Today we're going to talk about two more of the aspects of Daniel's character. So we started with clarity. Today is commitment and courage. Commitment and courage. Clarity, commitment, and courage are the three aspects uh, of Daniel's character and three ways that, they ex- that, that it expressed itself in his life. So I think I want to start today by, by maybe setting it up this way. Now, you are in church, so you have to be honest. God's watching. And your mama might be here too. All right, one way or the other. You have to be honest. How many of you remember as a kid being told the rules about something? Like at school or at a playground, y'all ain't got no rules. What is wrong with y'all? Bunch of heathen, little hippie children, what y'all were. Ran around naked and stuff. I put some clothes, there was rules about stuff. Like you had rules at the playground, rules at school, rules at home. Do you remember any adult ever giving you a rule? Just one. I'm gotta, I got to drop this down. I got to get real low standard for some of y'all. Did you ever hear a rule? Yeah. Some of y'all still ain't raising your hand. Oh. You, you knew in that moment exactly what was expected of you. Say yes. Yes. Now, here's the big question. How many of you broke those rules? Okay. Some of y'all admitted to breaking rules that you didn't even admit to knowing. You either broke the letter of the law or you broke the spirit of the law as you sort of tried to argue your way out of it, right? You knew what you were supposed to do. You still did something different anyway. Now, also, just curious, I'm just meddling now. How many of you are raising a child who was just like you and you deserve it? You deserve what you did to your mama. All right. That's the way it usually is. Now, here's the takeaway. We, we talked a lot about Daniel's clarity last week. He knew who he was. He knew what he believed, right? He knew what he was supposed to do. He knew where his strength and his help came from. He was clear about that. That's the clarity. But clarity doesn't matter unless it's also accompanied by commitment. Okay? You have to be committed to putting into practice the things that you know. Let's do this. Let's do an analogy. Y'all love these on standardized tests, right? So clarity is to commitment as knowing is to doing. As knowing is to doing. Here's how James put it in the New Testament. And I had to change my prayer that I usually pray before, before I preach because I'm going to read it. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Self-deception comes from getting clarity and then doing nothing about it. Self-deception comes from getting clarity but not following it up with commitment. Knowing what to do is part of it. But it's not going to change anything if you're not committed to actually doing it. Clarity is knowing but commitment is doing Clarity is intention, but commitment is action. It's, it's really interesting to me from the account 
uh, of Daniel and when they first arrived in Babylon. And we talked about it last week, but I want to refresh your memory. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, and then verse 13 and 14, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Not necessarily unacceptable to Daniel, him personally, but unacceptable under the law of Moses. And so at the end of the 10 days, this is Daniel to the chief of staff, at the end of the 10 days, why don't you just look and see how we compare to the other young men who are eating the king's food, then make your decision in light of what you see. And in verse 14, the the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. Listen, here's what stood out to me this week as I was thinking about commitment. Every one of these men who were brought from Judah knew exactly what the dietary restrictions were. They all knew it. They were clear about what they were supposed to do, clear about what God said. They knew every last one of them had the knowledge. What they lacked was the commitment. The difference between Daniel and his three friends and the rest of the exiles from Judah is that those four guys were committed to living out their identity in this foreign land. You have to be as committed to doing as you are to knowing. Do you you know who Jesus got the most frustrated at when he was on the earth? Who did he just, who just got under Jesus' skin every time they showed up? The Pharisees, the religious people, right? So uh, why is that? Well, let me show you. In Matthew 23, this is what Jesus said. A crowd of his, he said this to a crowd of his, excuse me, to the crowds and his disciples. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. So let me just pause there. They had the knowledge and they were teaching people about what the law of Moses was. But let's look at what Jesus said. But don't follow their example. They don't practice what they preach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and, and, and they, uh, the verses are inside the boxes, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels. And they love to sit at the head table at the banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Now look at verse 13. Jesus kind of sums it up. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either. Woo. I told you they got under his skin. Jesus got angry with them because they knew exactly what God said. But they had zero commitment to carry it out. They were only committed to using their knowledge to figure out loopholes for themselves while looking down their noses at everybody else. That is the very definition of a hypocrite. And that's what Jesus called them over and over in that chapter and in other places. Listen, he's Jesus. He wasn't calling them names. He's calling them out. 
Clarity without commitment equals hypocrisy. You want to know how to be a hypocrite? Then learn all kinds of things. Then just don't do any of them. That's a hypocrite. Look at 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Such women, he's talking, you have to see the context of it, but he said that such women are forever following new teachings, but they're never able to understand the truth. He's talking about people who, who uh, teachers who would come in and deceive women who were at home and were always looking for, to learn something. He said these women are always following new teachings. They're always trying to learn something new, but they're never able to come to an understanding of the truth. All right? Why is it that they don't ever come to a knowledge or an understanding of the truth? Because the truth is a person, not a fact. The truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You don't have a relationship with a principle. You have a relationship with a person. You commit to a person you, you come to know the truth, Jesus, and that truth, Jesus, will set you free. You don't get set free by the knowledge that you acquire. You get set free by the truth that you follow. Free for what? Free, he said, I'm going to set you free. Free for what? Free to follow him and free to have a right relationship with him. You might say, John, listen, I, want to, I really do want to be a man or woman of character. I want to be a person of integrity like Daniel, but I just keep failing. Like, I know what I'm supposed to do. I just can't seem to do it. Well, listen to me this morning. Commit to the person, not to the principle. Commit. Stop, stop trying to follow the rules and follow the rule maker. Stop following the law and follow the lamb. Clarity isn't about the, it's not just about the what, it's about the who. Commitment isn't commitment to a what, it's commitment to a who. You get clarity about who God is, and that gives you clarity about who you are. You get committed to following Jesus, and that will get you committed to doing the right things in the right way for the right reasons. Does that make any sense? This, is, this was a little startling to me, but I, I just want to show it to you. Do you know that trying to be a rule follower after you've come to know Jesus is actually a form of witchcraft? Let me show it to you in Galatians chapter 2. For when I tried to keep the law, Paul said, it condemned me, so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Now, the next verse is chapter 3, verse 1. O oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? 
Y'all know the Bible taught like that, did you? Who, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question, Paul said. And did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? Listen, after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to, to be perfect, become perfect by your own human effort? And John, how's that witchcraft? Well, witchcraft is rebellion, right? Rebellion against the ways God has laid out for it to be. It, it, witchcraft is trying to use natural means to achieve a spiritual result. So rule following is the natural means that people try to use to make themselves right with God. That's the spiritual result. Here's the problem. He already made us right with God through the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Paul said, you already know the truth. What in the world? Like, who put you under an evil spell? Who's trying to drag you into the witchcraft of rule following when you know that Jesus already paid the price for your sins? Jesus already fulfilled the law and made you righteous. Jesus died on the cross so you could be free of all that. So why do you want to turn around and, and, and then try to do rule keeping again? See, as sinners, we realize we can't follow the rules. We, we tell people this, right, as we, as we present the gospel. We can't follow the rules. We can't stop sinning. So we come to Jesus, confess that he's the only way to the Father, the only way to get forgiven of our sins, the only way to be justified. But, but then after we get saved, we keep trying and we keep failing to keep the rules. Your flesh is not saved, is not glorified yet. Your flesh is no more able to keep the rules after you get saved than it was before. Your flesh is still going to fail you, but Jesus will never fail you. So we have to learn to walk in his strength, in his holiness, in his desires, in his will. Commit to that. Follow that. Walk in that. Get your eyes off the rules. And just follow Jesus. You're like, John, I just don't know about that, man. It just sounds, it sounds easy. Oh, it's not easy. But it's the only way that works. Let me show you this. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. For God is working in you. God's working in you. What's he doing in there? Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. King James says that both to, he's working both to will and to do his good pleasure. That's one powerful little verse right there. How does God, how, how does your will change? You say, John, I just, I keep wanting to do things that I know are not correct. How do I get my will to change? How do I get my desires? How do I change what I want? God changes those. God is working inside of you to change your desires and to give you the power to change what you do. He's changing you by his power. So stop trying to do it instead of him. Stop doing his work for him. 
He's better at it than you. For us to live is Christ. It's not us who lives. We are crucified with Christ. It's Christ who lives in us. He lives through us. We follow him and he does the rest. I know that you rule followers and religious people are having a panic attack. I get this. I am a recovering, reforming, religious person, rule follower, and control freak. Here's the dirty little secret of rule followers. I'm going to get excommunicated from the rule following club for, for admitting this in public. But here it is. We can't keep the rules either. See, we're, we're, we're Pharisees. We're really good at telling other people what to do and then picking out their flaws. But deep down, we know good and well, we're not meeting the standard either. So what does, so what does a self-respecting rule follower do with that knowledge? One, really one of two extremes. Either we give up trying and just become full-blown hypocrites, and y'all all know them, or we fall into self-loathing and shame. We live the rest of our lives bound up and miserable because we're trying to reach an impossible standard of perfection. What did Jesus say about it? I think this is John 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you, he didn't say, if you'll keep my commandments, you'll eventually find my love. If you'll keep my commandments, you'll earn my affection. You can't work your way into relationship with God. So just like Daniel, we get clarity about who God is and who we are, and then we get committed not just to following the rules, but to following him. Now, let me talk you down off the other ledge. You're like, okay, cool, John. So you're saying the rules don't matter. We can just do whatever we want to. No, <laughs> That's not what it says. Jesus didn't say, if you love me, the commandments don't matter. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You keep them because you love him. You're in a committed relationship with him. You commit to following Jesus. See, your actions always change when you get in a relationship. Right? Y'all knew the, the, the um, how do I say this? You knew that guy in high school, right, who um, was all with, with, a different, with, with a different girl every, every week, every month, whatever, always playing the field, always looking for a good time, and then suddenly you see things change in his life, and you're like, okay, what's her name? Who is it that changed him? Who is it that got his attention and, and he's got committed to this old girl now and things are starting to change. Actions don't change until you get in a relationship. You, rules don't change behavior. Love does. Love does. Wednesday will be uh, 31 years of marriage for me and Valerie. Um, thank you. She deserves that. She deserves that. Um, I act like a married man, not a single man. The decisions I make reflect the relationship that I have with her. Now, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be perfect. I'm just telling you, when you're in relate, well, if I had not 
changed, I would not still be alive. I'm just, just saying that. Just put that out there. But the decisions I make reflect the relationship I have with her. I want to make her happy. I want to protect her. I want to defend her. I want to please her. I want to be with her. I don't do that because I'm hoping that one day I will earn her love. She already loves me. And that's why I do the things that I do. You see? So decisions for me are not about rule keeping. They're about relationship keeping. Does that make sense? I don't ask myself, is this against the rules of marriage? Is this against like the, the marriage agreement? that we? I ask myself, how does this affect the relationship? Is this, if I do this, is this going to bring harm to her? Is this going to hurt her? Is this going to be for her benefit? Is this going to draw us closer together or drive a wedge between us? Am I valuing her heart by doing this thing or, or would this hurt her and come between us? You see the difference? Say, well, on the out, either way, you're acting the same. Maybe, maybe from the outside, but it's completely different motivation. It's coming from a completely different place on the inside. And I promise you, she can tell the difference. See, we, get, we, we see people get saved in church, and traditionally what the church has done was just hand them a list of rules that they were supposed to, to follow. Like, okay, you got saved this morning. Here's your list of do's and don'ts. Don't embarrass us. Right? That's, that's what we kind of do. What would happen if we just kept driving these new converts, these baby Christians, what would happen if we just kept driving them into his presence? What would happen if we just kept saying, you just need to get into his word, just get into a relationship with him, just, just work on the relationship first, just get to know the Father. And when they get to know the Father, they're going to fall in love with the Father. And when they fall in love, then they get committed to Him. And all that old stuff falls away quickly and permanently. They don't go back because they don't want to go back. Because God is working inside of them to change their will, to change their desire, and to change the things that they do. They're not faking it to please the church people. And then falling off the wagon in three months when nothing changed on the inside of them. They're, what they're doing now is making deep down changes that are rooted in, a, in their loving commitment to Christ. Who is not just a word on a page, but is a person with whom they have a relationship. They know him. And, and in the end, that's what matters. Because Christ, what did he say? I, I, I'm gonna get, we're going to get to the judgment and they're going to come before me and they're going to tell me all the things they did, all the cool religious stuff they did. But Jesus is going to say, but I, don't, I never knew you. That's where it all has to start. He wasn't mad at the, at the things that they did. Those are good things, but they weren't coming from the right place. And until you get that right, nothing else matters. Daniel had clarity about his identity, but he also had a commitment to doing the right things. Not because he felt obligated, but because he had a real relationship with God. That's why his character stood out, because it was real. Daniel was, was the genuine article. Daniel was committed to eating the way God said. He was committed to praying. He was committed to working hard. He was committed to doing a good job. 
Character is, 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 we can't overstate the value of character. It is important. No matter what job you have, no matter what role you play, no matter what calling you're trying to fulfill, character is the most important thing. And, and commitment is one of those keys to character. Get clear about who you are and, and, and what you're supposed to do and then commit to doing those things because you have a relationship with God. You have a relationship with the one who gave you that identity in the first place. Now, here's, the, here's the, the last ingredient to Daniel's character. We talked about clarity. We've talked about commitment. Now we need to talk about courage. Courage. Once you're clear and committed, all that's left is courage. You know who you are. You know what you believe. You know how to live it out. You know what you're supposed to do. Here's the question. Do you have the courage to do it? Do you have the courage to do it. Do you know why there are so few people of character in the world today? Because being a person of character is terrifying. Living in a committed relationship and getting your identity from Jesus is going to make you different. And people tend to not like different. It makes them nervous. Jesus is going to make you different. Following Jesus is going to make you different. Over and over again, the patriarchs, the prophets, and the priests were called upon by the Lord to say things and do things that ran counter to the culture in which they operated. They had to speak the truth of God, not tell people what they wanted to hear. It turns out, as Israel was almost literally burning, around, burning down around them, there were plenty of self-proclaimed prophets who were preaching great messages of good news that encouraged and tickled the ears of, of the people of Israel. But the real prophets of God, who were the ones who were standing up and saying, these guys are lying. They're saying God said stuff that he didn't even say. Here's the truth of the word. Here's what God is saying. They had to speak the truth of God that people did not want to hear, and that takes courage. It takes courage to depend upon the Lord for your ability. It takes courage for Daniel. And we talked about this last week when the king said, hey, I dreamed a dream, and I don't know what it is, so I want you to tell me what the dream was and tell me what it means. And if you don't, I'm going to kill every last one of you. And Daniel said, hey, just hold on there, hoss, and give me a minute and, and let God do what he's going to do. And then he went back and said, well, it's time to pray, boys. It took courage to say, no, God's got this handled. God knows what you dreamed, and God knows what it means, and he's going to tell us, just give me just a minute to get with him. That's courage. That's courage. In Daniel chapter 3, when Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were faced with a choice of bowing down and worshiping the statue or being thrown into the furnace, it took courage for them to look into the face of the king and give him an answer he did not want to hear. That takes courage. In chapter 4, Daniel had to tell the king he was going to lose his, that, that the king was going to basically lose his mind for seven years and live like an animal because he was so arrogant and so dismissive of God's providence and sovereignty. How'd you like to deliver that to the king? Hey man, just want you to know you're going to basically be a goat for the next seven years. 
Read it. It's in the Bible. Read it. That's what he said. And it happened. Chapter five, God's hand, he, had, he was so fed up, he literally, his, the hand of God appeared at a banquet and wrote four words on the wall. It's called the handwriting on the wall, and that's where the phrase comes from. Daniel told the king, your kingdom has been weighed in the balances, the scales of God's justice, and you've come up short. And God is now going to take the kingdom from you and give it to the Medes and the Persians. Daniel didn't try to justify God's decision. He didn't try to explain his judgment. He simply spoke what God had written. It takes courage to speak the truth of God and not feel the need to defend him. There are issues in our day that are hard to explain to people who have no regard for God and his word. It's hard to tell a, a, a lost person why you have to do the things that you do, why you believe the things you believe. Listen, y'all know I'm a big proponent of, of teaching the word and explaining it and putting it in its proper context, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the bottom line is, I can tell you what he says. I can tell you what he says, how he says he feels about it. I can't always tell you why God does what he does. Sometimes, it's just God's prerogative to be God and not explain himself. And it takes courage to say, you heard him, God said it, that settles it. In chapter 6, Daniel had to choose whether he was going to continue to pray like he always did or if he was going to follow the new law that had been passed specifically to target him and his faith. And the stakes were high. If he got caught praying, then he would have been thrown into a den of hungry lions. But the stakes in Daniel's mind were just were high on the other side too. Because for him, it, Daniel's other choice was abandon your prayer life and walk away from, from my identity and my commitment to the one that I love. So given those two choices, Daniel chose the lions. He'd rather die with the lions then live without the Lord. But God had mercy on him and shut the mouths of the lions. Listen, just because it's clear and just because you're committed doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It takes courage to be a man or woman of character. It's hard. If it was easy, it wouldn't be so rare. You have to have the courage to be misunderstood. You have to have the courage to be underestimated, the courage to be insulted, to be labeled, to be misidentified. You have to have the courage to be rejected, the courage to do what's right, even when the result is painful. You have to have the courage to face a bad consequence for a good decision. Daniel would have still been right if he'd have been eaten by the lions. Daniel would have still been, the, the three boys would have still been right even if they had died in the fiery furnace. Peter and Paul both talk about being persecuted for doing the right thing. The right decision is still right even if it costs you. There are decisions that will keep people of character up at night. Choices that you have to make that you'll replay a thousand times looking for an option that was never there in reality. Looking for a way that would have made the decision easier or less painful, less collateral damage. But that's just not the way it works sometimes.
Listen, over and over again, the Bible says to be encouraged. That literally means put courage in. Put courage into yourself. How do you do that? You read and listen, or, or listen to the Word. There's lots of ways to get the Word inside you now. So there are audio versions of the Bible that are, that are great in the car or when you're on the go. Um, you can read about the people in the Hall of Faith of Fame. That's in Hebrews 11. You can read about David and his mighty men and what they, and, and what they did um, for God. You can read about Daniel and his three friends. You can read the Gospel of John or the book of Philippians if you want to get to know Christ better. It's like, how do, I, how do I get to know him? How do I start a relationship with him? You get to know him in the word. You get to experience him in worship. You get to literally walk into the presence of God in worship. Now, I thought this was just songs. No, it's not songs. Songs are the vehicle to, get to, to lead us into moments where we get to experience the presence of God. Where he, we are literally standing in the presence of the Almighty. That's worship. And you can worship without ever singing the song. Or you can sing the song and never actually worship. Use the opportunities that you're given to experience God. So you can learn to have a relationship with Him. You can learn to commit to Him. Spend time in worship on your own. Spend time in meditation on the Lord. Like just quiet everything else down. And let him speak. I, I love music. Y'all know I love music. I, I mean, I've got music on all the time. In the last year or two, maybe it's because got, I've gotten older. Maybe it's just because my life's crazy now. But, but I've learned to enjoy the power of silence. I've, I've learned to enjoy the moments where I turn everything off. And I, let the, I roll the windows down in my truck and let it blow through my... Well, just let it blow. And I just learned to enjoy the, the silence and hear what God has to say. Because sometimes everybody else is screaming so loud you can't hear the still small voice of God. And He doesn't always want to beat you over the head with a two by four. Sometimes He just wants to have a quiet conversation with his son or his daughter. Got to turn everything else off sometimes. You can get courage from each other. Why is it that we come together? Why can't we all just stay at home in our PJs and watch online? Well, that's a wonderful tool and it's valuable and I'm glad we have that. But there's power in in being present. There's power in being with brothers and sisters of like faith. There's just something about gathering that you can't get scattered. That's why all over the world, in in places where the gospel is illegal, where you will be executed if they find you gathering, there's still people gathering. Because there's no other way to get that. So we encourage each other. So be around people intentionally who deposit courage into you. When you walk away, you feel stronger. You feel braver. Right? You walk away feeling like you can handle this. You can do this. Because they've put, they've encouraged you. They've deposited courage in you. Iron sharpens iron. You need people in your life who tell you the truth in love. 
Character still counts, y'all. Despite the culture that we're in where, where we value other things, we're just as much Babylon as, as they were in, in Daniel's day. Character still counts. It takes clarity. It takes commitment. And it sure takes courage to be a person of character. But all of that comes through a relationship with Jesus. He gives you the power to do everything he calls you to do through his Holy Spirit. So surrender yourself. Commit yourself to Jesus today. Surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit. And watch your life change when you do that. I'm going to ask you to stand with me today. So we're going to pray and and, uh, you can come and pray about, they're going to sing and we're going to pray. You can come pray about whatever, whatever's going on in your life. And I know we're, we all got different stuff going on. If you feel the draw to come to this altar, come on. We'd love to pray with you. Or if you'd rather be left alone, we'll do that too. We just want you to be able to get with God and anybody getting with us. All right. But here's what I'd, I'd like to um, specifically say this. We've talked about this before, but I know that it's a principle of leadership and it says that eventually usually after a couple of years congregation becomes takes on the the uh, characteristics of of their leader of their pastor so i know what i've struggled with and um and what i've learned through experience is that many times the things that i have struggled with and that god's trying to teach me to get through is because you guys are struggling with the same thing some of y'all were raised in church just like i was uh, there's just never been, there's just never been a period of time in my life when I wasn't in church, and that has its benefits. And you need to come to church. But depending on what gospel they preach and how they present it, sometimes you can learn some things that are not good for you spiritually. And so I picked up on a lot of religion. I picked up on a lot of rule following. And I didn't understand who I was in my relationship with Christ. And so I want to encourage you today, if you are a rule follower, if you are a control freak, if you are a perfectionist, if you just get down on yourself every time you make a mistake, or you judge, you find yourself judging other people who are not doing it as right as you think you're doing it, then come and ask God to deliver you from that and and teach you how to commit not to the rules, but to the rule maker. Commit to following God. Jesus and learn to walk in that freedom. Okay? I want to encourage you to do that today because it will change your life. It'll change your life. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you that we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved not because of our own works, but because of what you did for us on the cross. God, I pray that every person in this place today would come to know you, that if they're not saved, if they haven't ever surrendered their life to you, that they would come and do that today. But Lord, I pray for every person who has surrendered their lives. God, help us to continue a lifestyle where we surrender to you, where we're not worried about the rules, we're not focusing on our flaws and our faults, but we're just chasing after you and running hard after you, Lord, because we want to know you. And we would just want you to continue to work in us both to will and to do your good pleasure as we come to 
to take on the character and nature of Christ, not through our own flesh or our own works or our own righteousness, but through our continued surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.